Today I talk with Nick Rushdi Hassan. Nick Rushdi Hassan is Associate Professor of Management Information Systems at the Lebovitz School of Business and Economics at the University of Minnesota Duluth. With his 10 years of experience in the industry, he began his academic career in two areas, investigating the philosophical foundations of the information systems field and information technology enabled business process innovation and modeling. Nick's research on the philosophical foundation of the IS field inspires studies on the field's disciplinarity, conceptual development and intellectual structures, core concepts of IS development, scientometric practices in information systems, and more recently theorizing and theory building in information systems. He has published extensively in philosophical aspects in IS in top journals. He has served as a president of the Association of Information Systems Special Interest Group on Philosophy and Information Systems and is currently senior editor of the Journal of Information Technology and the Database for Advances in Information Systems and associate editor of the History and Philosophy Department of the Communications of the Association of Information Systems. Nick is recognized as moving force behind the philosophical discourse in our field and here we talk about his experience. Today, with Professor Hassan, we talk about how philosophy can improve IS offering to the world, why we have not answered the same questions, how philosophy can provide a perspective to better perform your research, and why the rapid changes of the field are not an excuse, and much more. With this, it is my pleasure to bring you Professor Hassan. Hi, Nick, and welcome to the Sickville uh, podcast. I'm happy Hello, that you are here. How yep. are you? I'm good. Yeah, it's, uh, I think, uh, one of the, um, my personal, uh, let's say, uh, wishes to get you on the podcast and to actually talk with you for the first time, although we cooperate some years. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want with you to talk uh about your, let's say, experience with the philosophy and a little bit more about how you started uh, so people can get, uh, let's say, first-hand information. How, how are you doing it and how you started with the philosophical thinking in, uh, in eyes and how, what actually drawn you to the philosophy aspects of information systems or general philosophy? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, it's an absolute honor <clears throat> and I'm humbled to be with you uh, and with such amazing people that you've featured on this podcast. Um, it's, I guess, uh, let me start by telling the story of how it all started with me. Uh, like most PhD students, my first exposure to philosophy was when I took my graduate courses, of course. And, and I, of course, it wasn't really philosophy and it was more like research methods. And I don't know if I'm, I'm speaking for most PhD students, but I barely remember what I learned, <laughs> you know. And uh, what got me really started was when I, was, I came back to academia uh, after working in industry. Yeah. Uh, after completing my PhD, I, I, I accepted an offer uh, to work for a government agency um, that was responsible overseas, that was responsible to set up a kind of a Silicon Valley-like environment. Mm -hmm. uh, and this was in Malaysia. Yep. And, uh, and it was called the Multimedia Super Corridor. 
uh, included the building a new city from scratch, you know, you know, yeah. all part of that dot-com revolution that we're familiar with. And, then, and, and I was fortunate to work with people like uh, Kenichi Ome from McKinsey, McKinsey and Co. Yeah. at the time. And, you know, it was, it was a perfect social technical mega project. So, so we were building smart cities, smart schools, e-government, you name it, you know. Yeah. Uh, now, when I was doing that work, I naturally relied on my IS, my information systems background, to guide me. Yeah. Uh, what I discovered, however, was that there was really nothing from the body of knowledge of IS that I could use. Uh, and and, and uh, at the time, very few people actually knew that the dot-com bubble was already bursting. You know, it was about <laughs> that time. <laughs> and uh, so when that happened, I decided to come back to the States. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, in my heart, I was thinking, you know, I've got all this experience, I've got all this energy, and surely I can leverage all of it in the academic world. Uh, so when I came back to the States and, and attended a few conferences, I realized that the IS field had really not changed much in the years since I, I graduated. Yeah. Uh, I, I uh, you know, the same problems that were discussed in PhD colloquiums uh, were still unaddressed. You know, the, the gap between practice and academia. Yeah. Of the relevance of the field. Something um, that we still discuss, huh? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so and, and every PhD student, were, were, you know, was asking the same questions. You know, what exactly am I researching? Yeah. And, and why is this field so confused? <laughs> and, uh, and the answers to the questions I had were still missing. Yeah. Um, you know, there was some work on epistemology and so on, but, but really they did not hit the nail on the head. It, it wasn't satisfying. It wasn't satisfying. Um, so the, the problem was not how we, we know what we know, you know, as in epistemology. Yeah. It was really what is it that we're supposed to know? You know, mm -hmm. what makes yeah. this, this field of study we are in truly a discipline? Uh, you know, those, those kind of questions. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, you know, I asked myself, is studying how to get people to use technology really going to make a difference to the world? You know? Yeah. Uh, and if I'm going to be collaborating with another discipline, let's say, you know, I don't know, let's say maybe I'm, I'm going to be collaborating with a biologist or a, yeah. a, a medical doctor, some financial person or whatever. What is it that we bring to the plate? You know, mm -hmm. can we yeah. articulate this body of knowledge that we offer? So yeah. uh, if I'm a biologist or, or, or even a manager from management, right? I can say what it is that I offer to my collaborators. Yeah. In information systems, we don't even have a name for our experts. You know, what do we call ourselves? Yeah. <laughs> Informationists, information systemists, what is it? Yeah. You know, so, I so have a, a, one abbreviation calls insister. Uh, in what is that? Insister, in information systems researcher. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That's the first time I heard of that one. Okay. <laughs> so, so anyway, so, yeah. I, I, and really most of our, I bet you most of our PhD students probably have a problem explaining to their yeah. grandparents, what is it that they do? You know? yeah. so, so, so basically I, I started 
um, you know, because of these questions that I had, I started reading about uh, being a discipline, about disciplinarity, really. Yeah. You know, so how did all these other established disciplines become disciplines? So that, of course, attracted me to Foucault. Yeah. You know, because he has a lot to say about how disciplines become established. You know, so, so these are some of the questions that were swirling in my head. Uh, and, 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 and then the second part of, you know, besides being a discipline, the second part of the problem was if information systems was to be a discipline, what is it that information systems offer, offers the world? You know, yeah. uh, and, and, and to me, the answer to the question perhaps has something to do with technology, right? Yeah. Is we're dealing with technology. So I turned to the philosophy of technology. And that was when I was first exposed to Heidegger, yeah. you know, re- reading his question concerning technology. Okay. But then when I look back at the field, I, there, there was, you know, there was no, no discussions about this in the field. Uh, but I also know that there was so much that philosophy could offer the IS field. You know, for example, you know, one of the epiphanies I had yeah. when I, got, I got from Heidegger, for example, was that the fact that technology changes the essence of things. Right. Yeah. You know, he gave this classic metaphor that you know how a dam changes the essence of the river, right? Yeah. You know, from 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 uh, 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 the river providing water to the river providing power. Yeah. Right. Uh, Hydroelectric dam. So, 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 in if you were to use philosophical language, what that means is that technology changes the metaphysics of things. Yeah. Right. So. So now, of course, today we realize that how true his conclusion was, right? When we observe how Facebook changes the essence of people. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, during the last election and all that, in fact, for the past decade, that's been happening. So, so these are some of the questions that were swirling in my head when I, I started. And that's the reason why I, I, I you know, started reading uh, uh, reading philosophy. And, and, and in fact, what, what actually happened, much to the dismay of my, Head of department was I, I decided to to stop writing for a year just to read. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and of course he was he was in panic mode. He was saying, "Wait a minute, you you're on a ten o'clock. You got you got to publish." Yeah, yeah. that's so. So there was this struggle and, and, and tussle for a while. But anyway, so so that's how I got started in in, in philosophy. You know, I, I you you touched two points. You started reading and then continued reading, although there was tenure track. Uh, pushing you but I, I before moving on that how you combine that i just want to ask you how you decided that you will read foucault first and then heidegger and maybe later others uh, because you said you went out of the academia you went in the private sector in the business came back etc so is this uh, let's say uh, parts of reading different uh, uh, philosophers is actually somehow influenced by the community with which you are, or you just go on Amazon and say a philosophy of technology, and then who comes, you buy the book and read. I was just wanted to, 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 what was your experience, for example, to go to certain philosophy readings or to others, or that was just more or less, I don't know, um, by accident? I think it's pretty much by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, it, of course, I, I, I'm, you know, highly indebted to a lot of the senior scholars that I, I met when I was at the conferences, you know, when, when I made a point of, of approaching them, even though obviously, you know, you know how, 
how young yeah. researchers when they meet see this scholars and what am I supposed to talk to this guy? <laughs> so so but you, I, and I, you find out that they, at a certain point they want to talk more to you than you want to talk to them. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. So so you know you know I, I approach for example uh, uh, Lynn Marcus for example when I talk yeah. when uh, one of the meetings and I asked her about. You know about technology. Why are we not researching technology? Why are we not researching information, for example? Yeah. Uh, and she had a very good. Uh, um, you know, she mentioned that she actually spoke with with Drucker. Yeah. You know, uh, you know. Of course, I, I approached Alan Lee and yeah. all these people. Of course, it inspired me and 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 you know helped me grow. Um, uh, you know, tremendously uh, through the years. But anyway, so so it's more or less organic you know in a way because yeah. i i had a, i had a question in my mind that i wanted to answer and i wasn't getting the answers from the field and that's basically i think how i stumbled across um you know this this uh, disciplinarity as a topic and i, I read klein for example uh, Messer davido there's a few of those people who wrote who, who, who writes uh, who write on disciplinarity and and then that brought me to foucault and and, 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 and Heidegger and so on. So, so it went yeah. on one linking to the other until yeah. I, a, a picture started building in my head about where I was, I thought I was supposed to go. Yeah. And yeah. where did you go? What you started doing? You started writing it, reading it, presenting it, or you just allowed it to, let's say, um, or before that, or you replicate it and then try to apply what other disciplines have done, how they became disciplined, and then suggested this is how Icefield will do, or it took some time of boiling and coming with the ideas and suggestions. Right, right. I think you, you probably, uh, I mean, what you mentioned there is, is it's a combination of things that happened to me. Yeah. Um, the... Uh, you know, I, and I wouldn't recommend this, <laughs> frankly, <laughs> because there was a lot of trial and error. And, and I, in hindsight, of course, you know, yeah. hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, I, I wish if, if I were to repeat it, I would probably do it differently. Yeah. Uh, I definitely did not, uh, you know, uh, use my time in, in the best productive way. Um, so, so you know, if I if I were to advise younger scholars, there would be a better way of doing it. But anyway, what I did was I actually took off and 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 just sat down and read, <clears throat> and and started to put this picture in my head, uh, and uh, and of course discussed with people, started writing to conferences, which surprisingly got accepted <clears throat> because not many people write in philosophy, and 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 when they accepted it, uh, you know, a few of them actually got basically nominated as best people, which I was like, oh, okay. So, so, so it looks like it's hitting a chord. I realized when I was writing these papers, conference papers, that actually the topic I was writing about hit a very, very uh, sensitive chord with the IS community. And I knew that there was something there that needed to be addressed, that needed to be uh, taken care of. Um, yeah. And of course, I was, you know, of course, the senior scholars help out, of course. Uh, and that was when I uh, approached um, the philosophy, the the sick field, which yeah. at that time had become dominant. Yeah. Uh, I approached Emmanuel. I, I asked him. I said, you know, sick field was formed. I think it was 200, 2001, 2002, something like that. And then uh, there were not many activities. It started off quite well, but then it died. And 
uh, decided, you know, we should uh, rejuvenate this, you know, uh, yeah. and and get it going. So 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 it was a combination of the things that you mentioned there that 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 you know um, uh, took me to a, a, a path that I thought would be useful for myself yeah. and, and for the field. What what I I have when you said I created a picture and then I, I I found myself in that picture or I thought where I should be. And this, I, I would just like to use this, it might be unconscious sentence or something like that, but I just wanted to use it. It's like, for, for, for me, for example, uh, and with others I talk, is sometimes you read, read, and you create a philosophical position, but sometimes you move around it and out of it and back on that. And like changing philosophical positions. And I always ask uh, people, how, you, how did you come to this certain philosophical position and on maybe certain philosophical paradigm? And do you change it and how you upgrade it or you move it? Because I'm asking this because very often when you read so much, you start to get the understanding about the beauty of some aspects and the not so good aspects of certain approaches or paradigms and how, how you deal with that, how you are actually navigating with this, uh, let's say, plurality of ontological, epistemological aspects or different philosophical, let's say, uh, streams that they propose. Right, right. I, I, that's a very good question. Um, so, you know, after my reading, I concluded that this separation between the different philosophical stances, you know, positivism, interpretivism, and yeah. critical theory, critical reason, whatever it is, you know, all these other isms, to me, they are useful to some extent, but I think, I feel that it's been taken to extremes mm -hmm. and, and to, to the point where it becomes unproductive, you know? Now, now of course, we can trace this, this, this uh, you, could, you could call it obsession, with methods, methodologies to the early yeah. history of IS. You know, as a field, we're trying to be convince people that we are also a scientific field or we are also a legitimate field. So, yeah. so quoting those methodologies, you know, oh, I'm going to use this certain kind of research method, quoting those methodologies help. Um, but then I, I think what's been, what's been happening is that we started asking our PhD students, you know, are you a positivist researcher? <laughs> you know? Yeah. What research are you doing? Are you interpretivist, for example? And who are you? What are you? Uh, if we look back into what great scholars do, you know, they don't do that. Yeah. They focus on the problem at hand. So take the case of Durkheim, for example, right? Yeah. Um, and for those who are not familiar with Durkheim, he wrote a book. He, he, he's basically one of the fine founders of sociology. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, a found, founding a whole discipline, right? Sociology. So yeah. he's one of the major founders. Of that field. So, and people today say that he's an example of a positivist, for example, right? Yeah. But he didn't start by saying, I'm a positivist, so I'm going to do research this way. He didn't do that. Yeah. He was just curious. He, he saw that certain groups of people had consistently higher suicide rates than other groups. Yeah. So he asked the question, why? Yeah. Right? So, 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 and sure, he had to collect numbers, you know, yeah. he used statistics uh, to validate those suicide rates and all that. Does that make him a positivist? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, but he also wrote about morality and religion. Yeah. The same person, right? 
not exactly positivist topic, right? <laughs> so, so same with Max Weber, you know, yeah. uh, many people claim he's the founder of interpretivism and, you know, again, uh, you know, he's, but he's famous for linking religion with capitalism, yeah. but he's also a historian. And yeah. he wrote extensively about many religions, you know, all based on empirical evidence, right? So yeah. if empiricism, you know, being able to use observational data is the criterion, then he's not exactly an interpretivist, yeah. right? So anyway, so I guess the point I'm trying to say is that using these labels, to me, um, is not as important as understanding the richness and the depth of what these scholars had done, right? Yeah. So uh, let me give you an example of what, what, what uh, the point I'm trying to make here. So, so I asked a bunch of PhD students what they thought of philosophy. This was at a conference, right? I, I did a, a scientific survey. You know, I sat down with the tables during the breaks and said, hey, uh, what do you think about philosophy? What do you think? Uh, and, and the overwhelming answer was that philosophy is a waste of time. You know, they wanted to get published. There was their overriding, you know, uh, interest. Yeah. And um, and to them, it was just something they had to study and, and, and it's, it's a waste of time. So I asked them if they've read Thomas Kuhn's Structure of Scientific Revolution, right? Yeah. I mean, this is the, everybody has to read that, right? Yeah. Uh, we, uh, uh, and, and, and I asked them if they read it cover to cover and not a single one did yeah. out of the people I interviewed. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so they read summaries of it. Yeah but did not even bother reading the book. Uh, and if they did, probably just took excerpts of the book. And it's not even a big book. It's a tiny book. It's a very small book, yeah. Yes. Books, some of the other books are so big that you... That's right. You start. That's right. So this yeah. tiny book had such a great effect, impact on research and knowledge as a whole. And yet the PhD students I, I interviewed did not even bother reading it. Yeah. So I was shocked. I was thinking something's not right here, right? Yeah. Uh, there's this gap between what philosophy is to yeah. um, our researchers and what it should be. So, so that that you know, so, so that's the reason why, to me, uh, this philosophical stance of choosing one or the other is really it's a secondary issue to me. Uh, understanding them is obviously is important. Yeah. Um, knowing what they represent, how you can use those methods, um, uh, to me is 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 more important. What I one thing which I when I hear you etc. is that you need to read to understand it, but it doesn't need to confine you in your exploration in trying to find answers. Right. So if, if so, if you if you do not sometimes. Because when you talk, for example, you, you get a uh, you talk with the students which are reading no philosophy things, etc. But they do research, you know. So you might frame it to them. Uh, sometimes they can say, "I'm a, I'm doing uh, quantitative research," or "I'm going to say I'm a positivist," or "I'm going to collect interviews," or "I'm going to do I don't know uh, some um, conceptual thinking, etc." And they do, because you have not read it, they don't label it, but they do the research. So the philosophy is actually not to be 
labeling thing, but it's more or less to be able to give you perspectives because if you, I think whoever you read, they always say this is not the last thing through which you get the real information, real truth or so, truth or something like that. But they give you options and perspectives. So it might be that the and ice field is plural field. And I really like that because I, when I talk with some other domains, people are more or less, um, let's say, monist, they're more monistic, less pluralistic in their, um, let's say, epistemology or methodologies they use or approaches they accept the scientific. But I think that it's something strange that you have a pluralistic field but on a way you try philosophically or methodologically maybe to dominate one aspect I, I like your paper you wrote it on information systems development where it says like we have all these 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 but again the dominant approach is rationalist you know and this is a question of why information systems development still managed like that you know it's 30 years uh, research although in the 80s and the 90s people raised this issue so in a way i i see that philosophy should provide you a little bit more windows through which you can look on the world mm. i want to i want to add to that i, I agree yeah. completely with what you said yeah. that uh but i want to i want to perhaps uh maybe nudge it further. Uh, yeah. uh, to me, philosophy is so critical to any researcher's development, you know? Yeah. I mean, PhD, is a, there's a reason why it's called PhD. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, they should know the abbreviation, what, what the abbreviation stands yeah. for. It's called <laughs> doctor of philosophy, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so why is it that we are so averse to philosophy? If it's called yeah. doctor, you're, you're getting a doctor of philosophy. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. So now, so to me, it's absolutely necessary for all young scholars to be familiar with philosophy. Yeah. Not just because it's important to know how to go about doing research, you know, research methods, or, 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 it, it, it actually strengthens the foundation that they have so that they can do amazing things. You know, if, if you think about it, uh, many of the disciplines we have today started out being a philosophical uh, philosophical investigation. Yeah. You know? So so physics and biology came from natural philosophy. Yeah. Uh, and when we're doing research, we we're actually using some kind of philosophy, even though we don't know it. Yeah. So so if. If that is the case, then shouldn't we at least know what philosophical assumptions and approaches we're using? So that for one thing, we wanna know if we're doing it right, right? And as you said, perhaps we, we can be more open to alternative uh, approaches as well, right? So philosophy enables us to think of it that way. Um, uh, it, it, you know, once you've, once you've read into philosophy once you understood it at least to some level yeah it it broadens your whole picture of anything you're researching it gives you a bigger picture that no one else you know you know yeah. probably no one else or at least others may not appreciate as much yeah. so 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 at the very least i think to me they should at least study the basics and, yeah. and once they get this uh, 
bigger picture, it gives them the confidence and the and and actually, you know, shows the path, the guide uh, guides you to the to the to the path that you that you want to go. Yeah. So, so that that's the reason why I feel that it, it we we should be selling philosophy more than just oh okay, it's a nice research method. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and I think that even with trying to selling it and there is not so many buyers, but I think the field is growing and understanding it that is necessary more to go to the basics in order to, let's say, see the future. Mm. And my, my question is, if we say, okay, there are, uh, what is your experience actually? What do you think is that, although we agree that you need to be aware about... Um, let's say, um, a certain um, the, the number of approaches and paradigms that exist, etc. But what is your experience? Do you need to choose one and be good at it? Or let's say, uh, choose more and combine them as they fit in your uh, research? Or let's say, you should be more, let's say, eclectic in not be, let's say, standing recognizing yourself as a one uh, let's say stream philosopher or making research in line with that uh, that stream what is your mm. experience what is your thinking you're now also a senior editor in journal information technology and you're trying to i assume to let's say show these uh, philosophical uh, let's say uh, streams you are also published i think i think you you, you publish mostly and you the one person that published most on philosophy that is the the the, the, the right wording i would say mm. and what what is your experience so i think you're the most qualified to 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 share your experience in this in this regard right i i i would say i started late doing this and mm -hmm. and uh uh i'm going to go back to what i mentioned earlier about yeah. focusing on what is it that you're researching, uh, just like you know Durkheim and and yeah. Weber, Weber and all these other great scholars, when they were researching, when they were studying, they were focused on what it is that they're studying, uh, what tools, uh, what approaches. All of those are secondary to what it is that they're researching, they, and they were focused on answering the questions that the, the, the phenomena that the researching is presenting to them. Um, and uh, obviously you need to be good in some of these tools, right? But they nevertheless remain tools. Yeah. Uh, this is where the whole idea of the outlook towards the research um, is the primary. Um, because that's where the creativity comes from. That's where um, uh, the great ideas come from. Uh, for example, just going back to Durkheim again, right? So uh, when he was researching suicide, I mean, who would, you know, who would have thought that there's such a thing as, you know, altruistic suicide, yeah. you know? Which means suicide for the purpose of charity, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's an idea that came out out of that research, yeah. um, out of his contemplation and, and reflection. So, so it, and, and his mathematical or statistical or whatever methods did not feature into his 
you know his, his work yeah uh, he used them uh, but it was his reflection of the topic and the um, well, what is it he was researching that was you know that was foregrounded yeah. so so let me give an example of you know, I, 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 I every year at ISIS I have this seminar on writing research that you know yeah. except for COVID, it was cancelled but anyway so I, I, I do this 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 seminar and I asked you know 40 plus sometimes it's just 50 people there at the seminar what it is that they're researching now one year it so happens that um, uh, more than half of them said they were researching digitalization, you know, yeah. or digital transformation, or whatever yeah. it was. Right? <laughs> so, so I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Uh, I mean, more than half are researching on digitization. So I asked them, oh, what do you mean by digitization? Give me a definition of it. Yeah. Right? And not a single one of them could give me a good definition. Right? Yeah. And, and, and to me, that's a problem, right? You are researching this phenomena and you can't give me a definition yeah. what it is that you're researching. So there's, there's, there's a problem as to, from the philosophical point of view, uh, you know, how to go about doing research. Yeah. So that's the reason why, to me, those stances and you know, which one you want to choose, to me, is secondary. It, yeah. it, it, is, it is absolutely not as important as understanding what it is that you're trying to study. So it's actually the first thing is to sometimes when you are, for example, the experiences is like you, you, you see a phenomenon, you know, and like digitalization or transformation, but that might not be the phenomenon that you will discover in your research, you know, and mm -hmm. come up with, um, how to say, um, a solution or a conceptual framework or concept or a theory about that uh, uh, phenomena. And I agree here with you is that if you keep open-minded and try to contemplate and reflect in a way, you might come something that is not, it might be empirically based, but I always say you can, it could be literature based or it could be a question where you say why it doesn't exist like that, that you can come up with, um, let's say uh, some novelty that could be, let's say, useful and impactful to the others. But if you constrain yourself too much with paradigms and trying to labeling and slicing it in order to fit, you might miss mm -hmm. the, the, let's say, the big shot in, in a way. And here right. it comes to the, what we, we, you, you mentioned before, when you were young and you, were, you said, I'm going to read for one year, I'm going to contemplate and I'm going to see let's say, how I can, let's say, bay, reflect on what I learn, And that takes time. And mm -hmm. then you say, maybe this is not the way how I will do it now. So were you referring to this? Because it takes time to read these big books. For example, I know people now that they don't even read the article. They read the abstract and more or less they, right. read, the, 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 they read the conclusion. So based on that, and I, I see they cite the paper, right? Yeah, and they cite the paper, and then yes. you just you don't know all the papers that they cite in the in the in the journal. Mm -hmm. I call I call this sometimes atomic writing, where you're just slicing words and putting references next to those right. words. But sometimes you see that the paper actually is completely misrepresented. So my idea is what what 
how you actually manage it to to read and to write and contemplate and reflect and because you said i didn't do it the right way what will be the right way so it's like a message to the younger people that or the others who want right. to, to, right. to 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 do this type of research just to share mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. right so, so if i was given a uh, uh you know, a second chance to redo <laughs> my, my, my career. <laughs> this is probably what I would do. So I would probably split my time yeah. uh, between, uh, and, and this is, uh, you know, this is no, um, I, I'm not trying to denigrate uh, the, the publishing process or whatever. Yeah. There's obviously a lot of value in that, right? Yeah. But it would not be unfair to say that you have to be savvy in playing the game. Yeah. Right. So yeah. you have to know how to play the game of the publish or perish, the publish yeah. or perish. Game. So, so you need to divide your time into that, uh, into playing the game, the publish yeah. and perish game. Uh, and I actually talked to this about some of my, with my, some of my co-authors and, and they admitted it, you know, in, in fact, in, <laughs> in one uh, panel, in one IS uh senior scholar panel one yeah. of the senior scholars actually admitted admitted it at that too you know that that person said literally said okay now that i'm publishing in my quarterly i'll i can start doing real research you know <laughs> so so the research that is published in this quarterly is not real <laughs> no, no no i'm not saying that <laughs> i'm not saying just obviously joke, i'm not saying joke. that you know, <laughs> yeah, my quarterly is one of the best journals yeah, and, yeah, and uh, the most valuable it contain, contains a lot of uh, yeah. uh, valuable content but this is something coming in other words this is a reflection of yeah. their their thinking some the thing of at least of that person who said that oh now that you know that I, i'm 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 already published uh, uh, i can start doing something that's impactful or something like that i mean yeah. i'm not, not yeah right i'm not i'm not the one that said that somebody else said that yeah so so t- to me that's that was when I heard that I was like, oh wow. Um, uh, so, so, so what it says to me is that it's important that young young scholars do play the game, yeah. uh, because we are we, we don't live, uh, you know, as in an island. We work in a system. There are things we need to do, and that's something you do need to do. You need to make sure that your ten o'clock doesn't run down. Yeah. on you and, and get into trouble so so you need to and that's what i did I, I published a few papers on neural networks and i did papers in accounting information systems yeah. and, and i got my tenure yeah. you know yeah. uh do i feel that i'm proud of those papers no <laughs> <laughs> you know but i was happy i was able to get them out so that i can get my tenure yeah. uh so that's one side i would have done that better i think uh, on the other side i would uh, i would uh, set aside some time for the real reflection for the real thinking and 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 reading and 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 again in terms of reading there's a way to read so that you can get more out of the content without necessarily spending so much time so for example what i did was i i actually put up online on my homepage. there's a a few summaries of philosophy and what is research and i you know people can go on that and and look at that. Uh, in fact, I I, I don't know. I, I stopped counting how many people refer to it. I think probably not by now. Yeah. There's probably hundreds of thousands of people who actually access that that page. I was surprised because yeah. knowing that you know more than hundred thousand people access the page was like wow, this is interesting. I didn't know that many people did not understand this philosophy thing, but it's true. Yeah. So anyway, so so they can read that page and kind of get a rundown on the on the basics and stuff like yeah. that. And, 
get a big, good picture of what those are. So, so do that. Do 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 those kinds of quick readings so that you get a good early foundation, um, and then start focusing on the um, phenomenon that is that 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 you're passionate about, that you want to find yeah. solutions to. Yeah. Um, not just because you want to get it published, because that's the game. That's, you're done with that. That's, that's yeah. So what you're really interested in is trying to find solutions to the problem you're passionate about. Yeah. Um, so that's what I would, do, I would have done better, I think, which I you know, uh, would have probably benefited my career a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I was also asking, and this is like a sub-question in a way, it's like, there is this balance which is needed to be done, you know, or sometimes I feel people that say, okay, I will do my best work to get tenure and then I will devote, but time on the grand challenge. But, you know, this is my personal opinion, my, let's say, but, you know, time goes and habits form while you're making your tenure, you know? So if you do not read philosophy while you're gaining your tenure and you're involving yourself in empirical research, then when you get your tenure, it's a little bit harder to over jump you know you, you're doing very good yes that mm-hmm. makes you successful in a way and really yes. it makes you successful so you get in a way addicted to making the same same game you know playing yes. the same yes. game and yes. that is why i agree with you that we should play the game but i i also what i understand is that while you were doing playing the game you were also reading philosophy books and contemplating on this thing but you when you need to write them and put them on paper, it takes much more time on that because probably you know that this might not be completely philosophically all right, or I need to develop this method or this, let's say, approach, etc. It might take much time while on the others, I think it was on one workshop when somebody says, okay, you cannot introduce a new domain, new method, a new philosophy in one paper, you know? You need mm-hmm, to go mm-hmm. uh, step by step. So playing the game might be that you know the domain, you know the method, and you might contemplate and reflect something else. Or otherwise, you there is non-domain, noise contributions, but you use a different methodology. But again, I think that you're too harsh on yourself in a way. <laughs> I think that reading philosophy helps people to become better in their empirical. And you mentioned that. So I don't find mm-hmm. it that you're Pat was so bad, you know. <laughs> no, 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 there was something that in your comment there uh, uh, uh-huh. that was interesting to me, and I uh, and I've I've, I've um, you know I've listened to a few of the other, other podcasts as well, yeah. and, and there was this this discussion uh, about the difference between writing a theory paper versus writing an empirical paper. I, yeah. I you know there was yeah. a lot of discussions of that. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 you know you were pushing the the guests to yeah. uh, give their opinions on that. Uh, and, What's and your you opinion? <laughs> right, right. And you mentioned this now. Yeah, yeah. You know, how can you do this, right? Yeah. So I, I think the issue has to do with an understanding we have about what, about empirical papers versus theory papers. I, yeah. I, I think we have, to me, it's, it's, it's a very skewed view uh, of what those are, you know? Um, the, and and to me, to my opinion, it's it's again, uh, uh, in my, in my humble opinion, that it's probably unproductive to to do it that way, to yeah. look at it as being separate. Um, 
now this is not a new thing uh, yeah. in the 1950s and uh, there was this this great uh, researcher uh, scholar his name is Abraham Kaplan yeah uh, he wrote a, a classic uh, research book if people have not read it uh, conduct of inquiry in yeah. 1964 I think anyway yeah. he, he he wrote in that book he says that uh, authors pepper their papers you know kind of yeah. uh, sprinkle in their papers with words like theory <laughs> you know <laughs> Uh, or theoretical framework yeah uh, so that reviewers when they read the paper they'll think that there's enough theory in it <laughs> you know so it sounds it, familiar from the paper that's right <laughs> <laughs> even though the theory was actually added as an afterthought yeah. in the paper they did the research and then because reviewers wanted theory in the paper they decided okay i'm going to add i'm going to i'm going to uh, you know sprinkle some words that resemble yeah. theory in there <laughs> yeah. hopefully you will accept it so he wrote about that that phenomenon yeah and and that's why one of the reasons he wrote that book was because of this this phenomenon happening because people separated theory yeah. from the research right yeah. uh, when in fact when the moment they collect data they're already using some kind of theory yeah the moment they propose some hypothesis yeah. They already assume some theory. Yeah. You know, there's really no separation between empirical papers and theory papers. Yeah. It's convenient to se separate them because they can have a journal focus on empirical papers and a journal focus on theory papers. Yes, but that's convenience. Yeah. Nothing to do with knowledge and, and research. Right? Yeah. So, uh, for example, when Einstein wrote his theory of relativity, right? You would yeah. think that's a theoretical physics, right? Yeah. But it was based on some observation. Just... It was based on some empirical data in time and space. That was what it was about. Uh, there's no separation. Uh, and if we, we read some papers, for example, uh, when people try to justify this separation, yeah. they will say things like, okay, design science is really not theory. It's, it's really a kind of empirical contribution, you know? Yeah. It's not a theoretical contribution. Uh, but, but then if you read further, you'll notice that they can't really define what empirical contribution means. Yeah. Okay? Now, if you put theoretical and empirical contribution together, you don't separate them. That solves the problem. Yeah. It's just contribution. You, know, you, it's, know, you, cont yeah. you contribute I to knowledge. And what I find it over here is, for example, it's very often I see, for example, when people do uh, empirical uh, research and, for example, maybe you might come to design science, for example, and then if you come up with a conceptual suggestion, not about methodology of design science research, but something which is output of your empirical research, that conceptual framework, concept mm -hmm. or might have strong empirical impact because people right. will use that as a precondition on their thinking to frame their empirical let's say research or empirical design that mm -hmm. they will make in the in the organizations and you know i always uh, I make this connection with marx he comes idea with the concept and uh, with communism you know Right. And then that, that's a concept. We, he has some empirical things, etc. looking, and then he comes up with the concept. But that concept has a huge impact worldwide. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, for example, Absolutely. You, mm -hmm. 
So I don't see that if you very often come up with a conceptual uh, suggestion that might not be, let's say, uh, it might be based on empirical research, but it might not be clearly shown how it will, uh, will, let's say, make contribution on empirical things indirectly because everybody making their hypothesis, framing their research questions, framing their, uh, uh, where they're going to perform research, they might use that concept in order to, let's say, frame their research. I, I think something like, I don't, maybe social materiality now, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's a concept that people now start using to, let's say, recognize or look on the, on the events from this perspective, you know, or like critical yes. realism previously or interpretation. So these conceptual things that people might give in a mix of empirical, yeah, I would say empirically based reflection might have very good impact later on. I, I didn't oh, yeah. know that, did I make myself clear, but I find conceptual concepts quite important on impacting the world, you know? Oh yeah, oh so, yeah. Mm -hmm. So people come with concepts and they are taken by the others in order to frame how they will, let's say, structure the empirical events or I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, take, take the simple example of yeah. uh, Porter's competitive model. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's yeah. familiar with that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and he literally, Five just courses. because, yeah. yeah. Now, and where did he get that data from? Obviously, he got the data from empirical observation, right? Yeah. Uh, but that model uh, had a huge impact yeah. on management research for decades, right? Uh, so, so, so yes, so, so what, what I guess what I'm saying is when you put the theoretical and empirical contribution together, they don't separate them, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's yeah. just contribution to knowledge, yeah. then Porter, it solves the problem. And Porter right? Five Forces actually as a conceptual, let's say, artifact in a way, had huge mm -hmm. impact on the business community. Yeah? Correct. Mm -hmm. It's not only that academics said, okay, this is a nice concept. I'm going to research and validate or uh, let's say dispute or something like that. But it's actually right. an artifact that the business community, whenever they make uh, competitiveness or business plan or strategy, they will right. say, we will use these five forces and to see how we are positioned in relations to the suppliers, yes. to the buyers, right. to <laughs> the competitors, etc., in order yeah. to find our unique positioning on the market. So th this is your example is perfect. But mm -hmm. actually, this a conceptual artifact can actually be used right, uh, right. in the business and empirically influence the whole business community for decades. Yeah. And, 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 and if you take a look at it again, <clears throat> all he did, this is the essence of his model. It's really yeah. simple. The yeah. essence of his model is that he took the level of analysis from the company level. You know, yeah. most people before managers or, or management in general, before his time, yeah. looked at companies at, at the company level, at the firm level. Yeah. So he brought it up to the industry level yeah. and changed the whole outlook and yeah. practice of business. And all he did was just to move between two levels. Yeah, that's, right? <laughs> that's, it in that. yeah, that's, too, that's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Isn't it? So, yeah, so I could, do you see how theory uh, changes yeah. and working yeah. in line with with yeah. empirics, with, with empirical, uh, you know, with observations actually yeah. make it work. Now, now, 
so the theory is it useful practice? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Now, what happens if you uh, uh, you do research and then and then you find out that it does? You think that it, you know you can't get the theory out of it. Well, the reason why you can't get the theory out of it is not because it, there's no theory. It just, just means that you can't figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that's all it is. I'll just try to give one personal example now. I submitted uh, one of my papers to one of top journals and I got the feedback from um, the senior editor and the associate editor and they said, yeah, we like your paper, we like what you do, etc. But I think you, we think that you do not reflect uh, too much on what you have found and you, can, you should move more in reflection and trying to, let's say, not theorize, but let's say abstraction in order to make it more applicable to different places. And mm. they gave me all these comments and suggestions, etc. Mm -hmm. And they were completely right. And I wrote to the chief editor that this is the best review I ever get because they were anonymous. But this push actually, and I, I spent one year, spend, I'm spending one year in more and reflecting on this and making it more abstract. But actually that was what you say. I, as an author, failed to find, let's say, to conceptualize the, the, the theory, the conceptual things based on the empirical research which I made it. You know, I was trying to shortcut it in a way. <laughs> right, right, right. And that's the reason why I wrote that, that paper on, uh, that's coming out uh, from in the Journal of AIS yeah. uh, as an editorial uh, it's, 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 based, it's, it's titled Useful Products of Theorizing. Yeah. And, and, and to try to kind of open up the black box of theorizing in a way so yeah. that people can see, oh, here are the elements of theories, you know, the yeah. metaphors, the analogies, the, yeah. the concepts that you talked about just now. Uh, yeah. These are the things that we need to be talking in our paper, this writing in our paper so that we can actually articulate those elements. Uh, and when you do that, it actually helps you it, yeah. it helps improve the paper and it help, helps you understand the phenomenon better. And do you think when we are now talking about bringing all the philosophy to the writing in the paper, do you, you said, and I assume because due you, to your editorial, that you have experienced that using these different, let's say, um, uh, outputs, theoretical, or let's say uh, tools in a way like uh, um, analogy, metaphors, or what thought experiments, etc., in mm -hmm. order to let's say theorize. But what about writing it? How you put this in the paper? Do you try to replicate the whole process how you did it, or you just focus on a narrower version that will translate the message, or and how you do that? Mm -hmm. that's a good that's another good question yeah. so so that's that question is about how to write yeah that has less to do with the research per se right yeah uh, so the strategies of writing obviously when it comes to strategies of writing it depends on a few things and one of yeah. the most important things that you need to consider when you're writing a research paper is to consider the audience yeah so if you if your question is well how much should i write as far as the theory behind it or as far as the methods behind it, whatever it is, then who are you writing to? Uh, what is the goal of that writing? Uh, so for example, if, you know, if, if, if you were introducing, uh, uh, let me, let me probably 
mentioned something about, let's say now we have a lot of problems we're facing with security and privacy yeah. you know, because yeah. of social media and all this, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and we still haven't solved the problem. Uh, you know, we're not even close to solving yeah. the problem. Yeah. So when we're writing about that, then obviously there's going to be a lot that needs to be written in terms of the theory part of that paper in order to persuade uh, the editors or the, the reviewers that there is a need to understand security and privacy in a different way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so, so the elaboration on the empirical part, you know, you might want to tone it down a little bit and perhaps more on, on justifying why is it that you chose this approach? Right? Yeah. Of course, when you, when you are doing some more of the run-of-the-mill run empirical research, uh, you know, there's no need to go into the details of the method. So, yeah. so I, I guess it depends on who your audience is that you're writing to and what is the goal of writing a paper in the yeah. first place. What is the message you want to correct your, yeah. your readers to 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 to, grasp right, to get? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that's a nice advice, and I think um, time flies. But I want to ask you one more. Thing. You know, we are already uh, almost an hour, but uh, I want you. You said when I left the field, I, I got my PhD. I left the field. I went in the practice. I did all these practical things, and then I come back to the field, and there is the same discussion again. And I just jumped in and I said, "You mean the same discussion we are talking now?" <laughs> and my, right. My my question is in this relate. Do you think that we will have the same talks about? 10, 15 years from now, or what, what do you think is the future now of ICE field in general and in, let's say, in philosophy and in information system to be more concrete if, if you want? Just what right. is your reflection on this? How, how you see, are we going to see each other after 10 years and we say, well, there's still no, let's say, we are still no don't know what we are, yeah? <laughs> no, I, I think there's been quite a difference. Um, uh, for example, MISQ, MIS Quarterly recently published their next generation theories, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and that tells you something. That tells us that, yes, um, you know, the movers and shakers, the people who have the, uh, who hold the narrative, I guess, uh, yeah. are realizing that there is a need for this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's happening. Uh, to me, I think that we are, pretty much at the crossroads um, where uh, to me, the future of philosophy is, 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 is really very bright. I, I mean, just take a look at all the debates in the special issues and the panels yeah. at the conferences. Uh, you know, there's five panels, three of them are about philosophy. Yeah. Isn't it? And where do we want to go? Yeah. And if you take a look at the special issues, same thing, right? Yeah. Uh, for example, the, the GIT special issue on, on uh, theory fetish and all that, all those things are yes, actually, yeah, yeah those things are starting the discussions and correct. Yeah. And to me, the, the discussion is definitely more productive and, yeah. and it's going on, the, on in the right direction. Um, and, and, and I think we're at a point where we are slowly, I hope we are slowly facing the intractable problems. Uh, head on, uh, and 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 philosophy will at least provide a way to find the solutions, um, yeah. in, in you know better than it was before, um, yeah. 
uh, and that's always a good, you know, that, that's a good sign. I mean, I mean, we, we know that we're on, we're not on the right track if we've been researching something for decades and we haven't found a solution for it. <laughs> so, you know, there's not much progress here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we need to kind of shift a little bit and figure out what it is. So, so that's, where, that's where the role of philosophy comes in. Yeah. Uh, in fact, philosophy really means that, right? You're stepping back. Theory, yeah. theory, theory, theor- theoria means yeah. to step back yeah. and to look at it from a distance and to figure out, hmm, maybe we're not looking at this right. Yeah. You know, yeah. some different paradigm will help or some different approach or some different concepts might, might support. So, so I, I think that's what's happening uh, to our future. I think we are, the future is bright. I think we're heading in the right direction. We just yeah. need to put our head down and focus on those, those phenomena uh, that we're researching more closely. Yeah. And I think that, for example, um, people are trying to be more, let's say, forward-looking. There were some people writing like, and maybe this is why some problems are left over because the changes is so fast. For example, if you see social media, maybe in 2010, it was not interesting, you know? So people were mm-hmm. discussing about what is eyes field in mm-hmm. 2001, 2007, 2008. But then it comes social media and really changes the, the, the game. But philosophies and anchor can actually in a way give you these perspectives in the beginning to make um, let's say look on the on the things mm-hmm. from a fresh more let's say core perspective in order to uh, to research it and provide uh, uh, solutions well, if, if i could let me give you a, a, an alternative uh, opinion on that yeah. uh, to me the the in my humble opinion yeah. The excuse that because our field is um, moving too fast, mm-hmm. uh, that's why we can't get a hold of it, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's why we can't progress because it's, things are changing so rapidly. Yeah. To me, that's a cop-out. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> Meaning that we're giving that as an excuse. That's not yeah. really how yeah. disciplines work. Yeah. Uh, if, if we take a look at, at how knowledge is accrued or, or is collected and how disciplines grow, it's never the, the surface, the fast-moving, obvious things that capture the attention of the scholars. Okay. Scholars yeah. look at the deeper, enduring concepts. Yeah. And those deeper, enduring concepts rarely change. Yeah. Because they form the, the, the foundations of that discipline. Yeah. I mean, for example, if we take a look at economics, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, economics have changed through the years, you know, through centuries, yeah. no matter. But the same principle, disciplinary theme endures. That economics is all about what? It's about making ends meet. Yeah. Right? And, and the same principle is used in any economic problem. Yeah. Similarly, if we take a look at information system, for example, it's about technology, let's say. Let's say, let's say we, we, we arrive at a conclusion. Yeah, this is, we're about technology, let's say. Yeah. Right? And, and as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, the conclusion that Heidegger put together that technology changes the essence of things. Yeah. He wrote that in the, what, 1970s? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we need that to- That hasn't changed. The same thing yeah. is happening with social media today. Yeah. yeah. So there's some disciplinary discourses that endures 
that allows us to see below the surface, regardless of what's happening on the top. I mean, it's, it's just like uh, 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 the cloud. Today we call them the cloud. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's really a fancy distributive system. Yeah. Distributed system, right? Yeah. It, 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 it's the same thing. The concept is the same. Yeah. Yes, it's a bit fancier. It's a bit yeah. faster. It's a bit more robust. Yeah. But it's the same concept. So we can focus on those concepts and then we'll be able to address the problems that we're facing. So that's why I'm saying that, that you know, giving an excuse that, oh yeah, we're, we're changing too fast, too rapidly. That's why we, we can't make any progress. That you is know, to me, is, is a, it's not an excuse. You know, I, I was trying to make an ending of the podcast with, okay, we talk about you need to do this, this, but don't worry, you don't need it because the field changes very fast. But now... <laughs> But now you made it a much better ending for the podcast, you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> But now this is a much better ending for the podcast. And that is why I think that you actually, with your participation in the podcast, provided an insight that people will find it useful. And I think the last thing which you said actually reflect the whole our talk, you know, that you need to go for the, let's say, the core questions and find the essence and then try to actually use these results to make our field, if, if there is a discourse, to make it a discourse about it, to make it a discipline. And mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. not sufficient to, let's say, only touch on the points or touch on the surface and, let's say, playing the game in a way, publishing uh, research that will not provide some core, let's say, or um, um, impactful uh, um, mm -hmm. solutions to the problems and the opportunity, not only problems, but also the opportunities that information systems gives to the individual, to the society, and even now more and more to the animals and to the environment in a, right, in, right, in a way. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is what I wanted to, if you have, this is what I hope now it will not be <laughs> debated as a conclusion from, from you, but it's open for debate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this can, is, can, can I just put in a, a, yeah. few, a, a few last words? Yeah, so there's two events I hope that people can check out. <clears throat> yeah. One is the uh, Advancing IS Theories Zoom Seminar. Yeah. Uh, that starts on you know, September 14th, 22nd, and, and 3rd. Yeah. Yeah. You, might, you should have received that in your uh, in the, uh, inbox. Right. So the Advancing Ice Theories uh, series is, is being published. Um, I, I've also helped, uh, I mean, I've also launched with the help of Leslie Wilcox and Susan Rivard and Ulrika Schultz, yeah. a new GIT special issue <clears throat> called The Products of Theorizing Towards Native yeah. Theories of Emerging Information Technology. So, so there's a You know that there's a, a, a special issue coming out. Uh, uh, they should be announced officially by GIT. Look out for that. And also, there's a, a forthcoming JIS uh, editorial, which is the basis for the GIT special issue. Uh, useful products in IS theorized. You can find that in the postprint version of academia.edu as well. Can you just mention the deadline for the GIT special issue? In that's uh, in, in in January. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be in January. The deadline is going to be January 15th, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, for that special issue. But we'll be holding a, a workshop at ISIS 
okay. on that special issue. Yeah, you'll be holding a workshop and ISIS on special issues. So watch out for, for announcements for that as well. So we, we end the podcast. And now if you don't understood or listened carefully, the rest at the beginning of the podcast, now that you know that uh, Nick will be part of the editorial editors that will make the special issue, it's better to go back and read his thoughts huh? <laughs> or listen to his yeah. thoughts. <laughs> Nick, do you have something else that you want to share with us? So I, I, I guess uh, I want to say that I'm indebted to many, many senior scholars uh, who helped me grow and continue to inspire me. Uh, among the earliest who guided me were Heinz Klein uh, and Rudy Hershein, uh, and also uh, Lynn Marcus, uh, Alan Lee, Lars Matthiasen, John Mingus, Ron Weber, Shirley Gregor, Leslie Wilcox and many, many more. I, I, I owe them a huge debt of gratitude. <laughs> Nick, uh, thank you very much. Uh, it was really a pleasure talking to you for the first time. Right. Uh, but not for the last time. And I hope that we will have other opportunities to talk and see each other in life somewhere around uh, the world. Looking forward to that. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye-bye.